The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. It is a Monday morning here on Birds 365. we got a football week coming your way, including a game at the end of it on Friday. But we got a lot to do before we get there. Thanks for tuning in to Birds 365. McDonald, Kerr in for McMullen in the host chair. But Johnny Mac starts the show as he's getting his day ready before uh, the long week that Eagles have before they take on the Jets. Jeff Kerr, you first. How was your football weekend? Uh, could have been better. I'm getting tired of watching backups already. We got 20 days until the Eagles opener. I cannot wait. <laughs> Only one more week of preseason, but you're right, almost two full weeks before the uh, – three full weeks before the week gets underway, which means Sean McMullen's got to work, 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 including getting COVID testing today. Is that your uh, main duty, McMullen? That is my main duty. You can't go <laughs> – can't go to joint practices, can't go to the game unless you get that clear COVID test. So it's the world we're in. Okay. Yeah. So John will get his COVID test. But before he does, he's going to hang around and talk with us for a couple of minutes. I don't know about you, John, but I'm feeling more optimistic about the Eagles today than I did the last time we were on the air on Friday. Because that was immediately after the 35 to nothing beatdown. I guess 48 hours has dulled my memory of how bad that was. Eagles got in a practice last or yesterday afternoon was supposed to be last night. Instead, ended up yesterday afternoon because they canceled the public practice. Uh, I judged it as I was out there last night when it was supposed to happen, walking a dog. It wasn't raining where I was at over here in South <laughs> Jersey. It was sunny when I left my house in South Jersey. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think it was a combination of. Uh, you know, they knew a ton of people weren't going to be there. Maybe this is my cynicism. And obviously it did start raining later. Remember, they moved up practice. But, yeah, it was a little bit strange. Uh, I, You know, it is for charity, though. So uh, I, I do feel bad for the fans. Obviously, they only get uh, to look at the Eagles preseason twice. So the ones that weren't that were coming, uh, obviously, it's not going to be rescheduled, nothing of that nature. That's it. So uh, we're going to show up for week one, and you get to see what you get to see, your your Eagles. But, yeah, I mean, Jeff is right. <laughs> Preseason football is a tough slog to begin with. Uh, and obviously, the way the Eagles are playing, look, and it's not meaningful. And, and you're right when we were talking Friday, Jody. I mean, yeah, you got to feel better. But I, I do give Nick Sirianni – credit for being honest and the fact is you know you have these two camps who are like well, you got to throw preseason out the window because the Eagles are playing so poorly now if they were playing well trust me they have a different take and when you look at 52 nothing over the last six quarters of football and you know it took them 88 minutes to convert a third down in the preseason well turn those things around 
if the Eagles had outscored their opponents 52 nothing, oh, there'd be some hype around this team. Trust me. John, one thing I worry about with this whole Nick Sirianni rest thing, and I totally get it, but I feel like he's playing with fire a bit, uh, putting a lot of pressure on himself for Jalen Hurts and that team to be ready week one. Well, two things. Number one, it's not him. <laughs> I will say that. Uh, this is an organizational decision. You can read that any way you want. Uh, I think if it were completely up to Nick Sirianni, they'd be preparing more. I'll just say that. Um, so that's number one. Uh, and I get the cost-benefit analysis of what the Eagles are doing. I get it. I understand it. Uh, so it just comes down to what side you agree with. And they're obviously have gone through a number of seasons now where they've had significant injury problems and they're trying to get their uh, key players as healthy as possible to week one. Uh, and they are eliminating some preparation time to do that. Uh, and it, it comes down to which side you believe in. And they've staked their claim about which side. And you can make a strong argument that they're correct. Um and you could make a strong argument from the other side. And I would be on the other side. I, I, I don't think I say this all the time. I know Jody disagrees with me a little bit. You can't legislate injuries. I get that it, it seems like it's I get that. But this is a contact sport. Injuries are going to happen, especially with younger players, uh, I, you know, and, and we start with the quarterback with four career starts. I mean, I'm not going to tiptoe around his development to get him to week one completely healthy. I I, I just think preparation is more important. Uh, I don't know where you and I disagree. We're on the exact same page, sounds like to me. So let me put this to both of you guys. Jeff, you uh, certainly have an eagle slant, but you covered the whole league. Johnny Mack, I know you got sources across the whole league. If we're, you, you said it without saying it, John, that Howie Roseman is dictating terms here as to who's getting reps, who's practicing, who's not, how many snaps in the game, that they have a big meaning, and how he kind of dictates to Nick Sirianni. We don't know that, but we believe that. Oh, by the way, I definitely believe that. Is there any other team in the league where the general manager at this stage, these last few days, these last few weeks, leading up to the 2021 season, is his hands-on dictating terms as Howie Roseman is to Nick Sirianni? Is this the number one spot in the NFL where the general manager is calling the shots as to who's playing, who's working out, who's resting, who's protecting an injury? Are the Eagles the number one team in the NFL in that way? I, um, I think they are. I mean, I, I the closest thing I could probably relate to with all this is the Rams with less Sneed than Sean McVay, but – Sneed and McVay, they collaborate on this. It's when they don't play stars in the preseason. I think Sneed goes to McVay, hey, you know, I don't think we're going to do this. And McVay agrees because McVay don't like playing stars in the preseason anyway. And, you know, Sneed basically lets McVay dictate everything himself at, at that regard. Like Matthew Stafford, they ain't even, not even the consideration. No, he's been in the league, what, 11, 12 years? No, he's not playing. And, you know, I, I think Sneed does have a role in that. But overall, at least in my opinion, it's they're probably the closest to what the Eagles do, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a local thing, but I, I, I don't see the Giants doing this. I don't see Dallas doing this. Uh, Washington, no. Um, it, it's it's definitely an interesting dynamic. I, I think John has more of an intel on that, though. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I am immersed in the Eagles, so I, I don't know what's going on in the 31 different uh, other NFL cities uh, that closely at this point in the season just because you get so immersed in, in one team. But if there is if there is a team, and I, I encourage our listeners, if there is a team that is preparing less from, from a practice time standpoint, uh, from a player standpoint, I mean, I'd like to see it. I mean, point point them to me, point me in that direction. Yeah. Now, there's a couple. Jeff brought up Matthew Stafford. I mean, Aaron Rodgers didn't play. I saw Green Bay. I mean, we're talking about as as Jeff said, eleven year veteran. We're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. We're not. I guarantee you, if Aaron Rodgers retired and Jordan Love was getting prepped, he'd be playing in the there's a big difference between Aaron Rodgers and even Matthew Stafford and Jalen Hurts. How can people not see that? And the thing that bothers me is it seems like, again, you know better than anybody because uh, you're there every day, Johnny Mac. It's completely Howie Roseman's show. And if you're going to hire a guy to become your coach, and they did that with Nick Sirianni, and they run uh, Doug Peterson off, and I get it, he's never been a coach before. But the coach should have at least a partial control of his team, uh, a percentage of control of the team, which I don't think Nick Sirianni has right now, which I have a big problem with. But all right, let's put that aside for a second. Talk about a couple of guys on this team as we move into week three of the postseason. John, both in the games, you report all the time from practice. Zach Ertz is probably the receiver that the quarterbacks, and I'll put them all in there because Jalen Hurts doesn't play all the time, sometimes because he can't, sometimes because they're protecting his rear end. Uh, but I'll put all the quarterbacks in a mix. Zach Ertz seemed to be the most dependable guy. I know uh, that uh, Watkins had the big uh, couple of plays in the first preseason game, but what did he do this past game? Nothing. Uh, so Zach Ertz seems to be the guy. That whole Howie Roseman is just getting him out there to showcase him and trade him thing seems to be going by the boards because Zach Ertz seems like too important a piece of this year's Eagles team to think about moving on. Is his name still being shopped around this league, do you believe? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think if if the Sam Bradford scenario we always talk about happens at the tight end position, a a contender loses one. They think they need one to, to continue on. I I think he would trade him still because he's not going to be a long-term piece here. And by the way, I don't disagree with that uh, from a standpoint. Then you talk, we just talked about the dynamic, the head coach GM owner throwing there as well. Yeah, I think if you talk to Nick Sirianni, he wants Zach Ertz. This is the I've said it from early in camp. From the skill position standpoint, by far, Zach Ertz has been the best player on the Philadelphia Eagles in practice. By far. Uh, it's not even close. Miles Sanders is dropping the football. Devontae Smith missed two weeks. He got banged up again yesterday. Um, he's outplayed Dallas Goddard at tight end, certainly from a receiving standpoint. Uh, Dallas obviously has always been and always will be a much better blocker. Um, yeah, I mean, Nick Sirianni would want him, but does he, you know, it's not like he can put his foot down and say, I need this guy, uh, for week one. Uh, he probably does need him, but, uh, long-term, um, he's not going to be here next year. Uh, and, and, and it would have to really be. Because if you think about it from this standpoint, guys, 
if he stays and plays well, you know, the Eagles aren't going to want to pay him. Um, and if he doesn't play well, they're not going to want him. So it's very, very unlikely he's going to be here next year, no matter what. So from that standpoint, I get it. But yeah, the head coach, it, it's the old, you know, you're on top of something versus the 10,000 foot view. Nick Sirianni would certainly want him. Uh, Howie Roseman, if he gets, if somebody gets um, uh, nervous and gets desperate and he has leverage and he can get a second day pick, Zach's gone. John, one thing I noticed, and I think like Kay reported it this weekend, that there's, I guess the Jets are looking to trade Keelan Cole. And I know Schefter kind of backed that up about a half an hour later that their Jets are looking to move on from one of their receivers or, you know, they're looking for a pass rusher or something like that. I know the Eagles have pass rushers available, but it, it just seems like that's too steep of a price for just the, a Keelan Cole. I'm just trying to play GM. Yeah, I, I don't know. I always look at from the other team's standpoint because I know people get, you know, uh, really uh, mucked up in their own teams. And they don't. So you have to think of yourself if you're Joe Douglas and you're the Jets, okay, are you going to pick up Derek Barnett's contract for one year? Uh, I, I mean, are they desperate enough after listen, Carl, uh, uh, losing Carl Lawson? Maybe. But I, I think people don't look at it. So they're just looking at it as player versus player. Now, if you throw Josh Sweat at him, yeah, I'd say, yeah, he wants that. But you're not going to throw Josh Sweat at him. So to me, it, it, it's not as natural a fit as maybe it seems on paper uh, because of the contracts. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Eagles could use some help at receiver. I, I, I've I don't know how they cannot be concerned because the one guy that can play is banged up uh, pretty consistently. And the other guys who've shown flashes, boy, I got to tell you, that that Jalen Rager route running is a concern for me. There's just no consistency there. Uh, And Quez Watkins, you know, we're skipping steps on Quez Watkins. That's a six-round pick from last year. And people expect him to go in and, and, and be a really, really impactful player. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Johnny, uh, you kind of touched on this. I want you to expand on it. Uh, you mentioned running down uh, Zach Ertz, outperforming everybody else. Uh, practice in, practice out, body work, uh, all the other Eagle skill position guys. And that Miles Sanders continues to drop the football in practice and everyone gives him credit cards. He's working on the sidelines. He's got that jugs gun going every single day. And it looks like he's putting in all the effort to improve. And then he continues to drop the football. Will that affect the Eagles play calling during the year? Will Nick Sirianni go, listen, I'd love to talk to Miles because uh, we know he, when he gets his hands on a ball, if he catches it, he's a playmaker and can make big plays for us. But you got to catch it first. Uh, will the continued drops in practice affect the Eagles when the season starts as far as play calling goes? Yeah, I, I don't know about as far as play calling, but as far as personnel, I think they've already gotten to that point where they're expecting and trying to ramp up Kenny Gainwell to be in that sort of role. Uh, and, and you know, Nick's been very honest that he expects the running back uh, situation to be by committee. Um, so it's not going to be a three down type of Miles Sanders situation where he's always on the field, um, which uh, is is good and bad. Um, 
I think it makes it more difficult for the coaches and the play caller because obviously if you got a guy out there who's going to run the football and you got a guy out there who's going to be a pass receiving back, you sort of have that natural tip off to the defense. Um, but, you know, that's Nick said that's our job. Our job is to, to make sure that that's not an issue. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Miles is, is, is struggling, and it is strange uh, because he does work so hard on the side. <laughs> he looks great on the side. He catches everything. And then he goes out in, in, in live work, and it's not even live, obviously, live practice work, um, and he drops the football. And he dropped one again yesterday. Um, tough to explain. I, I, other than the yips, uh, Nick has mentioned he has problems with those angle routes coming out of the backfield. Maybe he doesn't get his head around quickly enough. Uh, it's more than just hands. He seems to have the hands to do it. Um, maybe he doesn't track the football well. That was Nelson Aguilar's problem for years as a receiver. Um, but it is, it is tough to overlook and you just can't, you can't put him out there unless he gets better as a receiver. John, I'm a bit concerned about Travis Fogum now. All of a sudden, he's what? He's on special teams all the time, and he's only playing 10, 11, 12 snaps. It just seems to me like instead of being a roster lock, he may not even make this roster. Yeah, he's played himself out of a starting position, and now he's trying to play himself off the roster. He had another bad practice yesterday. Um, another strange one. Um, I, I obviously Quez Watkins has passed him. Uh, I mean, Greg Ward is out playing him. So you start talking about, okay, how many receivers are you going to keep five or six? I, I don't know when your receivers are this poor, why you would consider keeping six. Um, and, and those, you know, those numbers, five or six generally have to help on special teams. So the Eagles are throwing Travis Fulgham out there and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and John Hightower. And ultimately, maybe the decision comes down to who can help Michael Clay the most, uh, the special teams coordinator, uh, more than the offense. Because all three of those guys just haven't looked like NFL receivers during this training camp. And it's disappointing. I mean, we're constantly talking about this position with this team. And they use a first-round pick this year, a first-round pick last year, a second-round pick. And then you talk about even late-round picks with Hightower and Watkins, how much they've thrown at this position. And they can't get it right. It, it It's unbelievable. John, let me follow up on the point you were making about special teams could be the decider as to who makes this team, who doesn't in the receiver position. I don't know about you, but I've always been told by coaches, special teams is about 75% attitude and 25% talent and athleticism that you win special teams, kind of like rebounding in basketball. You want it, you go get it. And I believe that about special teams. Out of the three guys you mentioned, Hightower, uh, J.J. Arcego-Aside, and Fulgham. Who's got the best attitude for special teams? Because if you can tell me who that is, I'll tell you that's the one who makes the team. Uh, <laughs> it's a good question because I think you're right. And I think, you know, one of the issues with special teams in the NFL is you're, you generally get guys who are stars in college 
uh, and didn't play special teams. And then you got to shift him and convince him uh, that this is an important part of their game. Uh, none of the three have stood out. You know, yesterday we were inside, so you get to really be on top of things and really see things. And it's not one of the three I talked about, but it was Quez Watkins who was on special teams. And, and versus Avante Maddox, who's, you know, obviously a defensive player uh, and knows what he's doing. And they were doing the drills when you uh, when you hit a, a, a dummy and, and Avante was just killing this thing. I mean, just destroying it. And Quest Watkins was tiptoeing up to it like he was trying to surprise it. And and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of it is just they're not used to it. They don't do it. Um, and I think that's all of those three receivers. None of them looked like Steve Tasker. Let's put it this way. John, Nick Mullins, I, I read Ruben Frank's 10 observations yesterday, and I, I agree with him 100%. I, I've seen Nick Mullins play for the 49ers. He is not as bad as he's been with the Eagles, but it looks like he's really in danger of not making this team. Yeah, I, I mean, I think right now it'd be tough to keep him, and, and certainly you could get him through waivers uh, and get him on the practice squad. And I wasn't there certainly at the beginning of camp because I'm with you, Jeff. He showed enough in San Francisco to say, okay, this guy should be in the conversation to be a backup, never mind a, a third stringer in the NFL. I just don't think he's healthy. He doesn't have the arm strength right now. He's coming off elbow surgery, and he says he's fine. Uh, but there's there's no juice in the arms. So, I, I mean, maybe as he gets further away from the surgery, uh, he was never Brett Favre to begin with, but uh, he was a lot better than what he is right now. So I, I think a lot of it is he's just not completely healthy, and a lot of it is obviously who he's playing with. And, you know, those third-string offensive players are not exactly uh, playing at a high level. Um, and he's among them. So it's not just the other people. He's part of it as well. Um, but yeah, you, it, it would be tough to say this guy deserves a roster spot. And I think from the Eagles perspective, even though you want three quarterbacks, especially in COVID world, um, you want at least three. Uh, I think they're very comfortable understanding that they could uh, release him and get him back and put him on the practice squad. All right, let me uh, repeat what I said the day the Eagles signed Nick Mullins. And McMullen, please concur with this because you were here and heard it on oh, yeah. 365. You, you, don't like, you don't like Nick He's Mullins He's not bit. an NFL quarterback. Not a starter, not a backup, not a third string, not a practice squad. He's not an NFL quarterback. The day they signed him, I said it was a mistake, and I still cling to that. And, yes, with every passing day, yeah, it looks less of life like you're you're a tough grader because there are some bad stinking quarterbacks. Now I'm not Nate talking about I like Nate yeah. Peterman better than Nick Mullins. Oh, That's boy. how bad Nick Mullins is in my eyes, my evaluation. Uh but besides well, that, and oh by give, the way, I, then, the, you gotta give, then, then you gotta give Kyle Shanahan a lot of credit because he was able to move the football at times for San Francisco. And maybe, you know, Kyle is obviously well regarded. Uh yeah, he might be the best offensive coach in football, according to people in the industry. So maybe it is uh, Kyle Shanahan. But yeah. 
he he moved the football to say he can't be a third string quarterback. I I, I don't agree. Yeah, that's that. that's uh, you can disagree with me, but that's fine. I say he shouldn't be in the league. And the Eagles' third string quarterback is on another roster right now. They will bring in another quarterback after the cuts. Nick Mullins will be gone, and the Eagles will pick off somebody else's third string quarterback. Just a protection uh, projection from your buddy, um, Johnny. I want to hit on the DBs. Zach McPherson had that nice week in the middle of practice and you and all the other Eagle beat reporters got excited. He was getting those uh, pass defended day in and day out. He got abused a little bit in the game against the Patriots. And I'm sorry, maybe I'm too old school that I still care about what happens in an exhibition game. Uh, did not look good at all. Um, I, I know the Eagles are going to protect him and he's going to be here. It was a draft pick. It was just his past year. So there's no threat of him. Uh, not making the team. However, I don't know that he's ready to play. And if you're going to play a bunch of dime, and that's dictated by the other team as to how many receivers you're going to put on the field, somebody has to be out there playing. And I'm not really comfortable right now with Zach uh, being one of them. Who is the Eagles dime back right now? Who's going to actually get a chance to play? We are all worried about who's going to make the 53, but then you got to decide who's actually going to be on the field and play corner and or DB is a pretty important position because you can expand it to guys who are going to need to be on the field as per what the other team's doing. How do you rate the Eagles defensive backs after the uh, three obvious starters? Uh, I'll ask you about the second starting safety, but we know who the starting corners are. We know who one of the safeties is going to be, but there's a question as to the other one with health. How does the Eagle DB uh, depth chart shake out for you right now, Mac? Um, I would say if they're going to, you're right. First of all, I want to say about Zach McPherson, he had that good week and he's come back down, but I want to add the context. I always said, Jody, that if you're expecting a fourth round pick to play right away in this league, you're going to be awfully disappointed at that particular position. So I put that context in there. Yeah. He's not going to play. Uh, it's going to be Craig James or it's going to be uh, Josiah Scott. Uh, if they go to to a dime look or something of that nature, I would think Craig James is a little bit ahead from the perspective of of Jonathan Gannon. Uh, knows him, he's played a little bit, and and when he got thrown in there, he played actually well. Uh, he's a great special teams player, but he's been hurt. He just got back to practice yesterday uh, for the first time in a while. He had a foot injury. Um, and Josiah Scott had a big day actually yesterday. So uh, I would think that they're forced to play guys uh, and they want to play dime. It's going to be one of those two. I would lean towards Craig James first. Um, and, and Scott is sort of, we just talked about wide receivers. So when you talk about the 53, I'm keeping six corners. I'm not keeping six receivers, uh, especially in the modern NFL. So I'm I'm keeping James. I'm keeping Scott. You got to keep Zach, uh, and you have the three starters, um, just because you need so many cornerbacks, and they're going to get banged up as well. But yeah, if they're forced to play somebody, it's it's not going to be Zach McPherson early in the season. I would be stunned. Um, and if and if they do go that route, there's going to be some growing pains. My old buddy Jim Schwartz said startup costs, and they're significant. John, I'm a little concerned about the interior pass rush. This is where I agree with Jody. It's hard to take away a lot from the preseason, but they have gotten nothing from the interior pass rush 
over the first two preseason games. Like, I, they have to move Milton Williams back to defensive tackle, right? And then who's going to be behind him? Um, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Milton's going to play a ton. Number one, I, I do think this is where it's not very meaningful. I mean, when Fletcher Cox is not out there and Javon Hargrave's not out there, I mean, who cares? Uh, those are the guys who are going to play. Uh, and those are the guys that are going to play the significant number of snaps and they're veteran players. So that is an indication where I, I lean more towards the Howie Roseman side where, uh, yeah, I don't care uh, what you got to do. Just get them to week one as healthy as possible. Uh, and then Milton, they look at Milton Williams, and he played a lot of defensive tackle yesterday because Fletcher uh, was out of team drills. Um, and Javon Hargrave is still out. Um, and he played a lot of defensive end in the game. They look at him like Brandon Graham. That's who they're modeling Milton Williams after as somebody who can move uh, inside and outside kind of seamlessly. Uh, But that's for more for 2022. Uh, He's going to play, but you're talking maybe 15, 20 snaps a game. I'm not one of the few things I'm not concerned with is the Eagles defensive line. I mean, they're deep and they're talented. The, the, The talent just isn't playing right now. All right, the last one for me, John. A um, couple of uh, draft picks from last year. Have When they've been in practice, when they played, they've actually flashed a little bit, but both have had pretty significant injury issues, uh, Debian Taylor and uh, Kayvon Wallace. Either one of these guys uh, a potential guy to start the season on short-term IR? Because they're, they're going to keep them, but then if they aren't close to 100%, do you put them on IR and have someone else ready to go that you can bring back through uh, either the practice squad or waivers? How are they going to handle both of those guys if neither one of them is 100% that's a start of the season? Yeah, there's a very good chance. I mean, uh, with the more liberalized IR rules under COVID, I mean, you got to keep them on the final 53, and then you can put them on IR and bring somebody back. And they only have to be out three weeks, so – uh, if they're going to be out that uh, that length of time, yeah. I mean, all teams do that now, and they should do it. It's a very smart way to do business. It's uh, a welcome rule. I know coaches and GMs love it uh, because you can only bring back two players in the past, and they had to be out for eight weeks. It's just um, mind-numbing. So sometimes you would have to, if you thought a guy was going to be back in six weeks, you'd have to carry him on the roster. Uh, and obviously you lose a spot. So uh, it's been very helpful, and those are the perfect examples of guys that could happen. You know, it's interesting with Kayvon Wallace. You know, he called himself Wolverine and how healthy he is, and then he goes out and he comes back too quickly from the groin and hurts the groin again. I, I mean, part of it is, and this is the interesting, when we talk about that, dichotomy of of being safe with certain players and not being safe with other players. I mean, I think Kayvon saw Marcus Epps go in there and probably play a little bit better than him and say, well, I'm not going to have a chance to have the starting job. I'm going to push it. And there's where the the medical training staff might have to slow somebody down like that. Um, But now we are where we are and he's re-injured. And then look, 
he was out there yesterday just watching practice. He was moving around. I don't I don't know how serious it is. Remember, we have we have a lot of time after that third preseason game until week one. Davion Taylor's been out a long time. They might be ready to go by week one. And that obviously would be positive, but I I do think Marcus Epps has played better than Kayvon Wallace. I, I do think they want a a Kayvon Wallace type next to Anthony Harris. I think they look at Epps and Harris as sort of redundant as the same types of players. Um, but at, at some point, you just got to play the better player. And, of course, they're also hoping, the best-case scenario, that Rodney McLeod's ready to go. John, uh, last quick one for me. Kerry Angeline Eagle signed yesterday. I've known him for a lot of years. I used to cover him when I was at the Daily Local News. Does he have any chance to make the practice squad? Uh, you never say never with the practice squad now because it's 16 deep. Uh, and the Eagles uh, obviously are, are have lost Jason Kroom, um, but they do have Jack Stoll, uh, who's not going to make the team. But I would think they would keep him on the practice squad if they can get him through waivers, and I think they'll be able to get him through waivers. I don't think you're going to keep two tight ends, uh, but if it, another injury pops up, you never say never. But you know how this goes, Jeff. Last in, first to go at this time of the year. All right, John, I lied. I one more quickie. Under over one and a half. Number of fights between the Eagles and the Jets in the two combined practices. You take any under or the over? I'm taking the under. Uh, it was the under against the Patriots. Um, now, Bill Belichick probably has a more disciplined bunch than a rookie head coach. Uh, and we have two rookie head coaches. So it, it's, a, it's a good over-under. I like, I like and, you're going, and you're going over. Uh, Nick has preached discipline, so I'm going it from his perspective. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to give him some credit that he'll have the guys understanding. Look, don't fight. But I, I don't, I don't, I could see both sides of it, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go under because okay. they, they could do uh, it well, against uh, Be tuned here on Thursday after the second of the two joint practices when John McMullen has to explain the three fights <laughs> that the Eagles and the Jets got in in joint practice. And then you got you to explain what a fight is. Like is a pushing match a fight or somebody throwing punches? What are we I'm, – I'm thinking about guys throwing punches. That's, that, that's fair. Um, something where – Five or more people are involved. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm going that that, that five, you got to get you got to get at least three teammates, two teammates on one side, one team on the other. It's got to be six individuals involved to pull wow. people apart. Wow. Might not actually be a punch, wow. but it's not just two guys. Just right. two guys going mano a mano. That if they're just pushing each other, that doesn't count. Got to have a total of six involved in the skirmish. I'm gonna get in 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 honor of CM Punk and SummerSlam. And the man, Becky Lynch, being back and Brock Lesnar being back. Great, great wrestling weekend, as Jody knows. I'm going to call that a schmoz in wrestling term, and I'm going under. Okay. Yeah, I'm going over. I think the Jets and the Eagles will get into it uh, this week. We shall see. John, thanks, buddy. Uh, we'll catch you back here tomorrow, but, uh, early in the show, and then uh, by my side later in the week. Thanks, bud. All right. Thanks, guys.
John McMullen here with us, uh, usual co-host. Jeff Kerr's got his duties today. I got plenty more to get in with Carr, which we'll do just that. Coming back next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. It is Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Jody McDonald with Jeff Kerr. Johnny Mac's got uh, reporter duties. He's got to get his COVID test if he wants to go up and be part of the Eagles Jets joint practices the next couple of days. And I meant what I said on that last uh, question for John. It was done with uh, an attempt at humor in place, but not 100 uh, percent. Jeff, I know you look at the entire league, uh, at least half of the teams in the league this past week 
and a good bunch more like the Eagles this week. They're actually doing two. Not everybody in the league is doing two, but uh, most are doing at least one week of joint practices leading up to an exhibition game. And the Jets and the Eagles are going to do it again this week uh, up the Jersey Turnpike. Um, there were a whole bunch of skirmishes that went on. Despite the pleas of coaches, we're not here to fight. We're not here to get hurt. We're here to just work on what we're here to work on. There were a lot of skirmishes that were being reported around the National Football League, some worse than others, where actually entire teams had to be separated, some just a handful of guys. I'm sorry. Players get worked up. It's the middle of the summer. They're fighting for their jobs. They know their NFL job is on the line. They're playing with emotion. They let the emotion spill over. They get into skirmishes. Oh, I absolutely believe there's going to be skirmishes. And there's a better chance for it to happen this week than this past week because we're that much closer to getting cuts done and going from 80 down to 53. So I'm telling you, there's going to be skirmishes all over this league, Jeff. Oh, I agree, Jody. Uh, The two that came to mind for me. Uh, Bucks Titans, which was hilarious, by the way, because I was in on that Arians News Conference, and my buddy Joe Bucks fan from JoeBucksFan.com asked him the question about Antonio Brown punches, and Arians just gives him this nonchalant answer. There wasn't any fighting. And, like, he couldn't even keep a straight face about it. Like, he just – it was hilarious, that, that whole sequence and what happened to that. And uh, Browns-Giants, that was another one. There's there's no way those guys are going to play stars with – the, you know, I forget who it was. It might have been Trey Hill. I think they, he was trying to throw a punch of Sterling Shepard or something like that. Giants fans were, you know, they, they were all up in arms. Oh, you know, the Browns, they think they're at the big boy table now for one year. You know, they were good. And I'm like, calm down. Like, you know, it's nothing to get too serious about. It's training camp. It's, it's what happens. You're trying to prove yourself against an actual opponent because you know you're not going to do it in a preseason game. And you're right, Jody. I think the Eagles could be like that. I know Sariani likes to teach discipline, but – it's because he does doesn't mean Robert Sala doesn't. Yeah, uh, every coach likes to teach discipline, and they're all going to say ahead of time, we're not going to fight. But then they fight, and they're going to fight again this week. Just a prediction from uh, yours truly. Uh, I asked this of John, and I need your answer too, Jeff Carr. Who is the Eagles? Who has been the Eagles' best offensive player in preseason so far? Ooh, this is a good one. Um, can we go with Kenny Gainwell? I mean, he had a pretty good game Thursday night. I think he had, what, 50 all-purpose, uh, 50 yards from scrimmage. I mean, caught the ball really well, looked good running between the tackles. I actually think he has a chance to be the number two running back. Um, you know, Devonta Smith had a pretty good debut for what it was. I mean, you know, his route running is as crisp as, as ever, really. I, I actually thought it was a little better than it was in Alabama last year. So he's clearly trying to improve that part of his game, not like it needed much improvements. Um, it this is tough because they really haven't played that many starters, but if we're going off. Right. Now, I, let me, let me, let me clarify my question. Um, either I didn't state it well enough or you didn't take it well enough. I'm including practices, which okay. you and I, I'm not there at all. You're there once in a while. A guy like John Mack is there every single day, including what's being reported that they do in practices, not just the two games that they played, but Who's been the best Eagle offensive player from the time they ran their first Nick Sirianni run practice till today? I'll tell you what. Now that you brought this up, I mean, again, this is tough because I thought Zach Ertz has had a lot of good practices. Ding, ding, ding. You don't have to go any further. Thank you very much for giving me the answer I was looking for. 
I get it. And I asked Jan, and he gave me an honest answer, which I appreciate. And it scares me that he gave me the answer he did. Zach Ertz has been the Eagles' best player. We're now more than halfway through from the first practice to the first game with one more game to go and then that extra week in between. We're more than halfway through. If you're the best player on the team, why would you trade your best player? You don't. I get it. You got to look, uh, John said, the uh, two-mile-wide high uh, view, which I get and I understand, and he's right. But he's their best player. I know he's only got one year to go on a contract. I know he's probably being overpaid this year, but you gave him that contract at $8 million for where he is compared to the other tight ends in the league. But he's your best player. And I know that there's some bad blood between he and the organization and some media outlets here in town had him traded six months ago, five months ago, four months ago, three months ago, and he's still here and he's your best player. How do you trade your best player? If the coach believes he's your best player, how do you trade your best player? This is the other thing, Jody. We got to keep in mind here. If you're doing whatever you can to make sure your quarterback succeeds, and I'm talking about Jalen Hurts, Zach Hurts is going to be a security blanket. Zach Hurts is going to be his go-to guy. It's going to be like Don McNabb to Chad Lewis in 2000. That's the guy you go to. That's the guy that's going to make plays for you. I don't really care what Zach Hurts does after this year. If he if he wants to extend his career somewhere else and make a lot of money, fine. You still have him. Teams clearly are not willing to give up what they want for Bill Belichick said to Jamie Apodi last week, oh, Zach Hurts wants two Mike grandkids and and the first I mean Howie Rosen wants two of my grandkids on a first round pick. So yeah, you keep Zach Hurts. You keep him on this team. You keep Dallas Goddard on this team. You have two good tight ends. If one of them gets hurt, then you're in trouble. It's you know Tyree Jackson is hurt. You gotta keep Zach Ertz. It's I've been on team Zach Ertz since day one. You keep Zach Ertz on this roster. Bottom line with the wide receiver group that you have Zach Ertz is the second best receiver on this team, period. And here's why I, there are many reasons why I think Zach Ertz has got to stay, but one that I think is underemphasized. Everyone made such a big deal about the fact that Zach Ertz is uh, pulling down $8 million this year. Is he an $8 million tight end anymore? In a vacuum, no. Compare him to what Kittle makes and Kelsey makes and other tight ends make. Who will be as productive as Zach Ertz this year? And, yeah, you're going to say, really, he's an $8 million player? I get that. It doesn't matter anymore. The Eagles roster is pretty much set. Their cap is set. They're not bringing in multi-million dollar players at this stage because they're not available. So having that cap flexibility and paying someone a tight end that much less than Zachary, well, what are you going to do with the money anyway? There's nobody out there that you can get. Oh, let me – I need an upgrade at uh, safety. Let me go – grab a $6 million safety. There's not a $6 million safety out there to be grabbed. So during the off season, when several media outlets, if it seems like I'm rubbing salt in the wound, yes, I am, had him traded uh, six months ago, five months ago, four months ago, three months ago. Yeah, then you could have used the money. Then you had free agents out there that were still available. Then you could have gone in a different direction with your roster. That ship has sailed. So the fact that Zach Ertz is making $8 million now is – Virtually irrelevant to the Eagles because they've already budgeted him in. He's here. He's making $8 million. You've got your other players. So be it. Clearing it up and clearing him out is not really going to be of use to the Eagles. So why wouldn't you keep the best player on your offensive team as of right now? 
and again, we're still going into week one. It's not like this team is two and five, two and six going into the trade deadline and all hope seems lost. And some teams offering you a high day two pick or a third round pick for Zach Ertz, then you consider it. But right now, no, like you got to, you owe this quarterback, you owe him every opportunity to give him the best possible weapons on the football field. And I know they want young guys to develop. Fine. I know you want to sign Dallas Goddard to an extension. Fine. But you don't do that at the expense of Zach Ertz. And I, I agree with you 100%, Jody. You keep this guy on your roster. He's a veteran player. He's a leader. And he's been a good soldier. He's not going to get T.O. on you. He's not. He's not going to be like, I'm not going to play. I'm going to do sims in my driveway. I'm I'm not going to say, well, if Brett Favre's my quarterback, we'd be undefeated. Well, no, he's not going to do that. He's just going to play out his contract, and then he's going to move on peacefully and probably sign with the Colts or somewhere else and, you know, just move on. Both sides will move on. And, you know, the Eagles tried to get something for him this offseason. They obviously couldn't do it. And I agree, Jody. You know, people had him traded six months ago. And the farther we went on in this thing, I'm like, you know what? Just keep the guy. And after the draft, I said, just keep that hurts. Like, there's no point now. And – I'm glad he's here. I want him to stay here. I, I don't really care. They don't get anything for him. It's, it is what it is. That's an excellent point you make about prior to the draft. Cause I was with everybody else. I thought there was a chance he was going to get uh, traded leading up to the draft when it didn't happen. Now, what are you going to get if you do trade Zach Ertz? Well, of course it's going to be a draft pick, which you're not going to be able to use for an entire year. If you could have gotten a draft pick last year and the draft pick's actually on the roster and it's helping you in 2021, that makes sense. Now that you've got him and you're coming up on a season and the asset you're going to get isn't going to help you, we all know the Eagles are up against it this year. The, the best thing you can say about the Eagles' playoff chances are this year is that they're still in the NFC least with the Washington football team and the Dallas with a quarterback question and the Giants with a major quarterback question, as far as I'm concerned, much like the Eagles with their quarterback question with Hurts. If they were in another division, we wouldn't even uh, have the little reserve in the back of our mind. Hey, you know, they could actually make the playoffs. It'd be that much of a longer shot. So that's what they've got going for them. A 2022 draft pick is not going to help you at all. Zach Ertz can actually help you win football games this year. I don't think they're in full tank mode to get a high draft pick in case Jalen Hurts isn't good enough. You want to have that plus your other draft assets and capital to be able to move up to get. They, they shouldn't be thinking about that. Not really. That should not be the number one focus. The number one priority should be developing this football team, developing Jalen Hurts, giving him a legit shot. And Zach Hurts can do just that. All right. Uh, let me follow up on something else uh, we discussed with John. I'm kind of leaning a little bit more toward what I think your position is, as by the way you asked the question. Milt Williams, he actually has played well uh, in the two preseason games. He's been one of their better defensive linemen because he's actually playing. A whole bunch of Eagles defensive linemen aren't seeing the field because they're being protected. So we can only see what our eyes tell us. And Milt Williams has looked pretty good. And I think he has played his way into that defensive line rotation. They played him more outside than they have inside. And we know outside they haven't uh, used too many guys yet. When they're all up to speed and they're all playing and all taking snaps, it's going to be harder to play outside. This upcoming game, you think we'll see that much more of Milt Williams at defensive tackle because I actually think he has a chance to be part of the rotation at DT this year. I do, too. And this is why I brought up the question. And I'm not really concerned about Fletcher Cox or Javon Hargrave at all. They've had good camps. 
But Milton Williams, behind him, D.Y. McGill's been okay. Hassan Ridgeway is not a good camp from what I was told. So that's why I brought it up. Like, okay, do we move this guy inside now? You know, I'm thinking of Lyman Eagles coach here. You know, because you, know, you know the pass rush is – they're pretty much set. Barnett, Sweat, um, Graham. And again, there's tons of guys all over the place that can play. A Kerrigan. But – Inside, it's Mill Williams. I think he's played his way into a little bit more than 15, 20 snaps a game. You know, I, I think you could save Fletcher Cox a little bit early in the season and kind of rotate him in there with Javon Harger. Now, you are taking a, a massive hit in terms of the pass rush, but I think Milton Williams can hold his own. I think he's been doing a pretty good job against first-team offensive linemen. He did it against Pittsburgh, and he did it against New England. So, yeah, uh, I'm with you on that camp, Jody. It's, I think you got to move him inside a bit. I think you got to see what you have here. I think he's definitely surpassed Hassan Ridgeway as number three defensive tackle if they want to go that route. And maybe they mix his snaps at end and that tackle again because McMullen's right. You know, they are grooming him like Brandon Graham, but I'm a little concerned. And again, defensive tackle, it's fine, but I'm a little concerned in case Cox or Hargrave get hurt. Not for Milton Williams, but who's behind Milton Williams. And I think that's why you got to put him inside. We are your Birds 365 guys. Jeff Kerr, Jordan McDonald with you. All right, Jeff, I got an assignment for you. We got about a four-minute break coming up here. So I'm going to need you to hop on your computer during the four minutes. First, I'll start with a question. Did you watch the NFL Network yesterday in their putting out the 30 of the top 40 players in the NFL as per the NFL players themselves. I Did saw you watch the, that at all yesterday? Okay, so I got a funny story. I happened to turn it on when Deshaun Watson was picked. 18. Boy, was that like an obituary for him. No one wanted to talk about him. They, someone said they don't know when he's ever going to see the field again. I'm like, okay, I, I might have seen enough. It was uh, it was well done. I I was on the air both of the last two uh, Sundays when they revealed the list. Last week was from 100, which Brandon Graham was number 99. Got right in there uh, early, did BG, and he made the list at least. And Jason Kelsey was, I believe, 92. Fletcher Cox was somewhere in the 60s. Eagles got three guys on the list, but nobody in the top 50 uh, or even the top 60 because uh, I think Fletcher was in the 60s. Um, so they revealed 100 through 41, and then yesterday they did 40 through 11. And then sometime later this week before the season starts, they're going to give you the top 10. I want you to take a look at 40 through 11. Anybody who's 41 and over, yeah, chances are they weren't going to be good enough to be the top 10. They haven't revealed the top 10. Last night on my show on CBS Sports uh, Radio, I said, here are your top 10. I think it's easy enough to figure out who the top 10 are. So I, I did it over the course of, I don't know, a couple hours. I'm going to ask you to do it over the course of four minutes. During this upcoming break, I want you to go online, go to the NFL.com, uh, see the guys who were ranked between, like, say, 11 and 35. That'll give you the most of the top players. There'll be 10 key guys who haven't been listed yet that you can probably figure are the top 10 guys. I want to see if you come up with the same top 10 as me, all right? All right. I probably got six off the top of my head already. There you go. See, the car is just that good. Now he's got to figure out the other four. Come back with us here on Birds 365. We've got a whole uh, hour and change left to go. Uh, Matt Verderam from Fan Sided uh, Outstanding NFL 
uh, writer who covers the entire league, is going to be our guest in hour number two. But when we come back, Jeff Kerr tells you, and I'll tell you whether he's either right or not, uh, who are the top 10 players, as per the NFL players this year, in their vote on the NFL Network, who are the top 10 players in the NFL next, here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are your Birds 365 guys. Jody McDonald with Jeff Kerr, who's filling in for Johnny Mac. Johnny Mac got reported duties all week, was on with us in hour number one. So if you're just tuning in now, you got to go back and watch the first half hour of the show. After we're uh, over and done with here, uh, John had some good insights from yesterday's indoor ego practice, which I, I don't want 
I know it's a charity in play here, but the Eagles made a miscalculation. They could have gotten the practice in last night. Uh, I know, and for any of our Eagle fans who listen to us up north, be it either Long Island or upstate New York or New England, uh, the, the weather that moved through was no joke. And there are some people up in Long Island who aren't watching us on Birds 365 now who may watch us every single day because they don't have power. So I don't want to underestimate uh, the, the storm that was, but it didn't hit here. It was out to sea down here in Jersey and hit further up. Uh, and Eagles probably could have gotten the practice in. They went over uh, precaution, canceled it, got their own practice in. Uh, sorry for all you Eagle fans who are planning on going out and seeing your second and last practice for the Eagles in preseason this year. John was there, so he gave us some good updates. So go back and watch it. Uh, Jeff and I have been uh, chopping it up about the birds since. But I do want to expand the conversation a little about the entire National Football League. And I did. I watched a lot of the NFL Network yesterday. They came up with 90 of their top 100 players in the league this year. As per a player's vote, they still have the top 10 yet to reveal. Let me give you a couple of guys. For those of you playing at home, I love to say that on the radio. With no, those of you playing at home, I'll give you the uh, guys that just missed the top 10. I'll start from a, number 11 and go backwards. Stefan Diggs was 11. Russell Wilson was 12. Jalen Ramsey, 13. Alvin Kamara, 14. Um, Tyreek Hill, 15. Miles Garrett, 16. Xavier Howard, who uh, won his uh, uh, sitting in for the Dolphins at camp, got a new contract, uh, was uh, 17. Deshaun Watson, as Jeff noted, number 18. Now, this is off last year. So uh, I think it's pretty safe to say Deshaun's not going to be in the top 20 next year. Uh, number 19, Buda Baker. Number 20, Dalvin Cook. There's some of the guys who just missed. Uh, and they, again, listed 90 players that aren't in the top 10. Jeff, did you get a look at those who are on the list? And do you think you can formulate some pretty damn... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good guesses at who the top ten are going to be. So I, I got to say this. I'm, this is how much I watch the league. I said I do six right off the top of right the top of my head. I'm pretty sure I can guess the top ten. Um, yeah. Same old... Let's see if you and I agree. Go ahead. How many how many quarterbacks do you have in your top ten? I had three. So Oh, I think you're wrong. I, I had three because Brady, Rogers, Mahomes. So that's three, right? I got yeah, I got, got three. Uh, all right, give me give me the rest of your top ten. I'll show you where you went wrong. Okay, well, you got Aaron Donald, TJ Watt. I got defensively. Those two got to be on it, right? So Correct. Travis Kelsey, have to put him on. Correct. Now, receiver was tough, um, but I noticed DeAndre Hopkins wasn't on, so he has to be in the top 10. Correct. Devontae Adams has to be in the top 10. Correct. Derrick Henry has to be in the top 10. Correct. So th this is where I thought it was Diggs at first, and then I looked. I'm like, okay, well, Diggs is 11. He's 11. And Wilson was 12. So, who, who did I jot down here? Did I name them all? Oh, no. Uh, Josh Allen. 
Josh Allen. Yeah. That would make how many quarterbacks? That'd be four then. Yeah. Four. Okay, uh, I, there you go. I knew you'd get it right, Kerb. Very good. You needed four quarterbacks. Josh Allen is the other one. Very good. You got the other nine. Uh, I thought the toughest one, as a matter of fact, was Watt. Um, I, I rattled off the first nine when I saw those uh, 20 through 11. I said, who the hell am I missing here? And I had to think uh, long and hard. I said, well, he's the second best defensive player after Aaron Donald. Yeah, he's going to be in the top 10 if he's not in the top uh, 11 through 100. So, yeah, TJ was the other one uh, that, that I had to uh, struggle for a little bit. But they got four quarterbacks. How motivated do you think Russell Wilson is? That Josh, and Josh Allen may be 10 and Russell Wilson was 12. So it's not that big a difference. But we always demarked the NFL demarked by saying we're not going to announce the top 10 for another however many days it is before they come out with the top 10. How motivated do you think Russell Wilson will be that uh, he wasn't in that group and Josh Allen is? Yeah, it's something because Russell Wilson arguably had his best year last year and he fell. He was in the top 10 last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So, so I, I forget where he ended up. He was year nine for 10th last year. I can't remember. I I, I got to look that up after the show, but I'd be pretty motivated. You know, you were what? I think 10 or 20 yards away from your career high in passing yards. You're due for 40 touchdowns, which are only, by the way, like 11 or 12 quarterbacks have done in NFL history. And yet, you do not make the top 10 because, again, this is where the whole Mina Kimes wins on a QB stack comes in. It wasn't Russell Wilson's fault. The Seahawks weren't as good as I thought they were going to be last year or anybody else. Russell Wilson was terrific. I think they let Russ cook a little too much, and they were banking on Rashad Penny to get healthy last year. That, that never happened. Chris Carson got hurt again. They were relying on DJ Dallas and – you know, a bunch of other, you know, running back by committee at that point. The offensive line was in shambles. That's why they traded for uh, Gabe Jackson. Uh, the defense actually turned around last year. They t they started turning around around that Eagles game last year. And, you know, Jamal Adams was a beast. Uh, I'm not sure K.J. Wright's going to be back on that defense yet. But overall, Seattle was like that team. They were really they were good enough to go to the Super Bowl. They just ran into a team that faced them twice earlier in the year and just beat them in their home arena and that was the Rams and with a backup quarterback so that's what was shocking to me but yeah I, I think Russ is going to be a little fired up this year I would not be shocked to see if Russ have finally get that MVP vote hit that's been eluding him for nine years man oh by the way in case you're and I, I gave you the, the top 20 because we did the uh, back up to 20 and I just uh, Jeff and I agree on the top 10 if you don't think this is a quarterback driven league oh, of the top 18 players Six are quarterbacks. Six out of that's one third of the top 18 players are quarterbacks. You got quarterbacks, you got offensive linemen. Oh, by the way, an offensive lineman, you have five positions. Quarterback, you got one. Running backs, you got one. Wide receivers, you got three. Tight ends, all right. There's only one tight end. Was oh, um, Nelson the highest offensive lineman? Correct. At guard. A, yeah. a, in a league where the left tackles get paid extraordinary amounts of money. The highest-ranked offensive lineman was a guard at number 33, Quentin oh, Nelson. Exactly right. Fun Quentin Nelson stat I uncovered this offseason. Quentin Nelson has three all-pro, three, three first-team all-pro selections. He's only allowed three sacks in his career. Three. Damn. That's insane. <laughs> uh, yes, he was. Uh, people debate. You can't take a guard that high in the draft. Why would they do something like Yeah, Indianapolis absolutely got it right. He is, uh, he is the highest-ranked offensive uh, lineman. 
I still think positionally left tackle is more important, but uh, with the way that he's played, maybe they'll move him out to left tackle at some point, but he's so good at what he does. They were uh, going to before they signed Eric Fisher. I think that was on the table. And then I think Frank Reich said, you know what, let's get a veteran in here. Well, and because they couldn't, uh, honestly, I think they just wanted him next to Ryan Kelly because those two together are, that's probably the best left guard center combination in the entire league. All right, uh, quickly question for you with uh, the Indianapolis Colts since we're talking about Quentin Nelson. Apparently, Carson Wentz is going to practice today. He returned to practice. I loved it last week when he had the surgery and the timeout was reported between two and eight weeks. Nothing like a uh, an amount of time you can drive a truck through. We're going to go out on a limb here and say he's going to be back somewhere between – Either he'll be back soon or never. And, yeah, you're going to have to try and figure it out. Uh, you don't usually see that after a surgery, a guy coming back that quickly. But, again, uh, not all the details of his injury and uh, medical attention that he needed. You think he's going to be ready for week one, Jeff? I think he's going to try to be ready for week one. I think he's rushing it again. Um, and we know this way too well in Philadelphia. I thought he rushed back from the ACL injury. The minute Nick Foles lost the football game, I'm back, I'm Carson Wentz, I'm back, I'm, I'm coming back. And I thought it was a little too early. I thought he should have waited a, a month, you know, week five, week six into the season. And I think he's doing this again, which, again, there's no reason to. Sam Ellinger and Jacob Eason are not being out Carson Wentz for the Colts. No matter what my former uh, co-worker, Greg Doyle, um, you know, at CBS, now he's with the Indy Star, says, you know, he wrote a comp saying he hopes Eason kind of beats him out, and that's not going to happen. So I don't know why Carson is coming back so quick, and I think Frank Wright kind of put the brakes on a little bit, said, hey, look, he's just doing this, he's doing that. It's not – I think Stephen Holder from the Athletic said too, he's not going out fully here. It's They're slowly progressing him back. But I think there is a shot he comes back week one. And I think that's a little too early. I think they should wait a week or two. I know Eagles fans probably don't want to hear that because there's a first round draft pick at stake here, but I, I, I don't know, Jody. I, I think I will wait just a week or two. I, I think it's too soon, but maybe the Colts are pressing because their quarterbacks have not looked that great this preseason. No, that, that was what I was going to ask you. I know in the preseason game, their first game, the Colts, they actually put up good numbers. I think I saw a little of it on uh, replay, on Rewind, on the NFL Network. Uh, Eason and Ellinger did not look bad, at least what I saw. And the numbers on paper weren't bad. This week, Ellinger not as good to a couple of picks. Eason was better. So I certainly believe if uh, Carson's not ready for week number one, it's going to be Jacoby Eason who's going to get the start for him. Um, you said uh, you've been following up on Dennis Dodd, who was following him uh, day in and day out. Uh, why did he say that he wants and or uh, thinks the Colts would be better off with Easton as the starter over Carson Wentz? I think it was more – I think he got data from us, actually. Um, our sports line team, they do, like, a bunch of simulation stuff. They're, they're all, like, advanced numbers. They're trying to help you gambling purposes. And the Colts' drop-off in terms of wins went from, like, 10.2 with Wentz to 9.7 with Easton. And this is without Easton taking a snap. So I think that's how he was basing his logic off of, you know, the advanced numbers and the analytics and stuff. Personally, I think it's going to be a bigger drop than that, but, you know, based on what I've been seeing. But overall, I, I don't think it would kill them to start J Jacob Beast in the week. I, I really don't. I mean, it's a brutal schedule. And, yeah, they're going to focus on Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines and Marlon Mack more. But 
Frank Reich's a good coach. He knows how to win with backup quarterbacks. He just does. Uh, you know, we've seen this already in Philadelphia. They won a Super Bowl, you know, changing the offensive game plan. So I think they can hold off a week or two. Like, I, I think that's a little too far-fetched. I think that's more for Clex A. Jacob Easton's going to be out Carson Wentz. That's not going to happen. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz is, is the starting quarterback in this team. He does not have to look over his shoulder. He doesn't have to have the, those demons come back like in Philadelphia. And the Colts are going to make sure of that, a- a.k.a. That's why Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger are in Indianapolis. They did not bring in a veteran backup who can actually compete with him. So in my eyes, I just think he should wait a week or two. That That's just me, though. I just checked the cult schedule because I didn't know it off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> they open up first two games at home versus Seattle and the Rams, two teams who are thought to be playoff teams. So, Tricky early schedule. Now you got both games at home. And then week three, that's kind of important at Tennessee. If you're a Colts fan and believe the Colts are going to the playoffs this year, which, by the way, I don't. I think they're a non-playoff team. Sorry about that, Carson Wentz fans and or Colts fans. I just don't think. Sorry. And Frank Reich fans. I think they're going to come up short. I think Tennessee's going to win that division. I think Tennessee's going to win that game. What if I told you? And then the next week at Miami and at Baltimore. Holy camoly. They could are, Tennessee actually could the Colts actually start 0-5? They are the first team in since they've been tracking this back in 1989-1990 to have their first five opponents win 10 games the year prior. That's Damn, Sam Countryham. I didn't realize how tough their schedule was. In Seattle at home, Rams at home. At Tennessee, at Miami, at Baltimore, before they play home at Houston, uh, against Houston, week six. Hey, I really like the Colts in that one. Colts I do, fans. too. I think you're going to beat the Texans. Maybe you're going to beat them 42 to nothing. Uh, that's a tough way to open up. That's legit one and four possibility there, Jeff Carr. If they walk out of there three and two, Frank Reich, I, I, you know, he might be the best coach in football. <laughs> that, that is brutal. I, I don't think they're going to beat Baltimore. Tennessee, I agree with you, Jody. Uh, once Tennessee traded for Julio Jones, I said, well, the AFC South's going to those lines because Julio's got a lot on his plate this year and everything, everything I have been talking to down there, it's he is as good as advertised, if not better. Um, I've still said for year, uh, I mean, this whole offseason, you're a fool if you don't trade for Julio Jones, especially if you're in that championship window and Tennessee did that. So kudos to them. Those two I'm worried about. Miami, I think they can beat. Um, but again, Miami's good. They're, they're no slouch. That's going to be a, a prove it game for the Colts and the Dolphins. And the Rams of Matthew Stafford, it's, I'll tell you what, Jody, yeah, you're right. One and four does look pop. So they can go three and two outside of that. And you got Houston, you get to play Houston twice, you get to play Jacksonville twice. Things do look a lot easier for the Colts. Right. The- they, they get easier in the second half of the season, shoot, after the first quarter of the season, <laughs> as a matter of fact, for the Colts. And it's, it's funny. Uh, and this is, Eagle fans, our streamers here on Birds 365, the calls I get on WIP, the tweets I get, everybody's got a tight eye on the Colts. And I understand why from an Eagle perspective, because it's the difference between a first and second round pick. So that's 32 slots. That's a big difference between if Carson Wentz doesn't get the prerequisite number of plays in and if he does. So that is a big deal. Nobody is even looking at what the Dolphins are going to do because the Eagles have the Dolphins' first-round pick. And um, I think Miami's going to be pretty good. I did watch a goodly amount of their game this week. 
the Raps have come off to a Tungabaloa this year. They're letting him throw the football downfield a little bit more. I think he's got tremendous accuracy. I think he's got a lot of moxie, too. Last year, he was a winner, but he did so in the dink and dunk offense. There was the Dolphin offense. They're playing week five. That should be a great uh, showdown between, or excuse me, week four. Dolphins and Colts. Eagle fans are going to have to tune into that one because it has a lot of uh, ramifications as to where the Eagle draft pick is going to be. I think Miami's uh, definitely winning double digits games this year. They won 10 last year, and that was only a 16-game schedule. They're going to win 10 again this year, which is not going to help the Eagles with that Dolphin draft pick. I called this – I do bold predictions every offseason. I did one for each team. A lot of people seem to think the Dolphins are going to be the team that falls. I said, I'll do you one better. They're going to win 10. And I was with you, Joe. They're going to win 10 again. Two is going to have a really good year, and he's had a great preseason. And everybody looked at that Bears game, and I'm like, well, he's been slinging the ball around. They've been trying stuff out. Uh, they fired their offense coordinator. They fired Chan Gailey for a reason, and it was the think and dunk stuff. And Tua wasn't completely healthy. Uh, you know what? He's He looked great that second preseason game on Saturday night. He looked incredible, and uh, I think that's how it's going to be. Oh, by the way, did you notice, Jody? He did not have Devontae Parker. He did not have Albert Wilson. And he did not have um, – who's the other guy? I'm thinking of here. Will Fuller. He did not play. Will so, Fuller hasn't played at all. Yeah, so he's doing it without them. What's going to happen when they get these weapons back? Their offensive line's better. It looks like Miles Gaskin is going to be a pretty decent running back, and you know how good their defense is. You know, Buffalo Bills, they are absolutely right. The team you got to watch for in the AFC East is Miami Dolphins, bar none. I had a Miami guy on my show over the weekend – and he, I said, give me a guy who you were projecting having a breakout year besides Tua Tungvalu. Take Tua's name out of it. Who's going to break out to be the breakout star? And he said Wilson, which came as a bit of a surprise to me because uh, they've got two veteran wide receivers who are better. And, oh, by the way, what pick in the draft did the Dolphins take a wide receiver? It was pretty damn early this past year, didn't okay. they? I saw him run a jet sweep in their uh, uh, exhibition game this week. You didn't have the ball thrown to him all that much. They got weapons on offense outside, which I think is going to help Tua Tungabaloa put up numbers this year. All right, Jeff Curry, Jordan McDonald here with you on Birds 365. We'll take a timeout. Hope to be joined by Matt Verderam. Matt's been on with us before. I've had him on my CBS show many a time. Uh, covers the entire National Football League for fansided.com. We'll talk all things NFL. Get Matt's outsider's view of the Eagles next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest... Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave. 
take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We're hoping that uh, Matt Bergeram of Fansided hops aboard with us here in the upcoming uh, couple of minutes. Uh, Matt should be good to go. Uh, uh, great spot. I've had him on my show on CBS Sports uh, Radio a couple of times. So we're hoping to get him up uh, shortly. But let me get one quick complaint in before uh, and see if the same thing happened to you, uh, Jeff. Uh, I live in South Jersey. Um, generally speaking, about 20 miles outside of Philadelphia. Let's put it that way. Uh, twice this weekend, not once, twice this weekend, I turn on the NFL network to watch a specific game I've got interest in, and I didn't get either of the two games. First on Saturday, the Giants, uh, the Jets were playing the Packers. They had had practices all week. I'd read a lot about it. I got Jet friends who are Jet reporters. So I've been texting with them. I wanted to see Zach Wilson uh, with my own two eyes, and they're playing against the Packers, and it's going to be on the NFL network, and I put it on. It's a re-air of the Eagles and the Patriots. I didn't have to watch it the first time at 35 nothing. That wasn't enough. Now I got to watch it again on the NFL Network. Why does it say? And, you know, it's got the little identifier on the bottom of the screen. It says right there, Jets and Packers. Oh, but there's an issue because the game being shown is Eagles and Patriots again. So I got all sorts of ticked off. And I think I know the answer. So then Sunday, I do the same exact thing, put on my TV to watch Browns and Giants. It says Browns and Giants right there on my screen. Oh, no, it's a re-air of the Titans and the Bucks, 35-3 to debacle, whatever it was, uh, from uh, Saturday. Uh, I'm viewing this on Sunday. I think it has to do with broadcast rights, that because I live in New Jersey, because I live in a radius around which the Jets and Giants play, 
my game gets blacked out because I'm supposed to watch the local television network, which airs the game. Well, there's a problem. I'm in Jersey. I get all the Philly channels. I don't get the New York station that's broadcasting the Jets. I don't get the New York station that's broadcasting the Giants. So I didn't get to see either two of those games. What the hell is the NFL network doing? Doesn't the NFL understand just because the Jets and the Giants play in jerseys, that doesn't mean the whole state should get blacked out of those games like that. They do know, like, the law, the land down there, Jody. You know this. South Jersey's mostly Eagles territory. And what what's Central Jersey now? Are they are they a mix or are they, like, you would know this. Central Jersey, uh, as per Princeton, I think Princeton and up, I got a couple friends in Princeton who are lucky enough to get both channels. The, really? Yeah, so they, they have uh, New York channels, and for, like they get the local news, ABC, uh, CBS, NBC. They get all of the Philly channels and the New York channels. Anything south of Princeton is all Philadelphia. Anything north of Princeton is all New York. I'm south of Princeton, so I'm a Philly local television guy, so I got screwed out of the games. Yeah, and I, I got them, obviously, because, you know, I'm 45 minutes, you know, northwest of Philadelphia, so, you know, I'm getting... I'm in the Royals Ford area, so I'm getting, you know, the Giants game. I'm getting just – now the Eagles game blacked out. But, again, I also have NBC10, so that was the channel I'm watching the game on. I, I got to check this for you, Jody. I don't know if NFL Game Pass would do it. I don't I don't know if they do the live games for the preseason or not. I think they do. I, I got to double check but because most of the games I watch are on NFL Network anyway. But, yeah, I got to check that this weekend for you because that, that that's really bizarre. I know you won't have a problem for it this week because you're going on a game, but that shouldn't happen. You should have been able to watch Jets on Saturday. Yeah, it just ticked me off no end. But that's just me. I'm a little bit of a whiner. And, yeah, I'm going to get over it. The fact that I just, just NFL broadcast rules that they don't want to step on. They do deals with these networks, and the networks ask for these consolations. They want to make sure if someone has a choice to watch their local network, and or the NFL network, they want them tuning into the local network. But those of us who are outside, but just as per a uh, map, we're within a radius circle. Yeah, we got screwed. I had no way to watch either the Jets or the Giants, which kind of sucked because I wanted to watch both games. All right. Uh, we're still waiting on Matt Verderam to uh, join us. Uh, I do have a couple more eagle questions for you. Was good to see Jalen Hurts back out there on the practice field yesterday, Jeff. Of course, he couldn't play in the game on Thursday night, right before the game, came down with a stomach issue. We all heard both Thursday night and then Friday as well. Um, they uh, were overly cautious. Nick Sirianni said that if they had, uh, if it had been a regular season game, it's something that certainly the quarterback wanted to try and play through. They weren't going to take the chance. They sent him off to the hospital, uh, at least as per the reports. He looked fine in practice tomorrow, so everything a go going forward with him versus the Jets first this week, and then, of course, the regular season opener, even though Nick Sirianni still has not named him his starting quarterback. Yeah, I don't get what Nick Sirianni is waiting for at this point, obviously. And I'm glad Jalen Hurts is healthy. Um, you know, th those two days, I totally get why they would give him the, that time off. I mean, I wouldn't mess with that stomach infection either, and – you know, it's. I, I guess he wasn't feeling. What did Sirianni say, Jody? He wasn't feeling well before. Uh, I guess before the game, it was like an hour before, or like going in, he wasn't feeling well, and then I guess it. I guess it got worse. Was that was that like the whole the full story there? Because I was supposed to write on Hertz's game 
and he never played. So I, I pivoted and went to Devonta Smith. But what, what was it? He was like, he wasn't feel, he was feeling a little underwear, like when he got in there, or how was that? Yeah, supposedly he had mentioned to them that his stomach was a little upset before he went out onto the field. He practiced. We saw a video of him being out there on the field in full uniform, going through quote unquote warm up, stretching, whatever you want to call it, and then came back in. And Sirianni gave him credit, and I concur with this. He did say, yes, I'm still feeling the effects of this. It's bothering me. I got stomach issues, and that's why they ran him off to the hospital. Um, he could have tried to play through it, but he did the right thing and, and told him, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure they asked him, uh, are you feeling anything? And he said, I'm feeling something. And then the red flag goes up, and uh, he didn't even begin to see the field and was shipped off to the hospital. Uh, so I think uh, falling on the side of caution – uh, certainly was part of the Eagles' decision. Here's my issue, though. I know he played four games last year. Well, should I say three and a half because Nate Sudfeld, the unstoppable Nate Sudfeld, came out and played the second half against the Washington football team. He's still, in my eyes, a wet-behind-the-ears quarterback. He still needs reps just to get ready for the season. I understand caution and making sure that he's not injured and like, is he going to be ready for the first game of the season? That's what I'm worried about. Um, you know, and again, I the team practices are more important these preseason games. We know that. But we talked about this earlier. This isn't Matthew Stafford. This isn't Aaron Rodgers. This is Jalen Hurts, who's and again, this is all unorthodox. You know, he's only played like as you said, three made four starts, three and a half regular season games. So he does have the game experience, but this is a new offense. This is a new team. I just don't want him coming out week one cold. I would love to see him. And again, I said this last week, I would love to see him play a quarter if he was able to. And I don't know what the plan was for him Thursday night. I don't think Sarah Ann will ever reveal that. But if he came and played the quarter this week, I'd be okay with that. you got to get some game reps in there. He's hasn't played that much this preseason. So that's what I'm legitimately concerned about. And I know the guy's a gamer. I, I think in the long run, he'll be fine. But if you're looking at the first half of game one, against the Falcons, a team you probably should beat. If he struggles, man, you're opening up a big can of worms there. And I, and again, this is more Howie Roseman wrestling than anything. Uh, you know, I, I think he's got to play a little bit this week. I, Because I, you're, you're not going to play for what Thursday is, the 27th, or Friday is the 28th. So you're not going to play for 16 days. Uh, you got to give him some game reps this week. I'm like, Speaking of the Eagles quarterback position, uh, we touched this in hour number one. It was mostly me and John going back. I, I need you to give uh, a little bit more in-depth opinion, uh, Jeff. Nick Mullins. Uh, when the Eagles signed him this offseason, my stance was, why? Uh, you already have Joe Flacco. He's going to be the backup. We know he's going to be the backup. The Eagles gave him a $3.5 million guaranteed contract to be the backup. So Nick Falls wasn't, uh, Nick Mullins wasn't going to come in here and beat out Joe Flacco and have the Eagles cut Joe Flacco because he's not a practice squad option. He's a vested veteran. He's not going to take, he's going to take his 3.5 million and go home rather than sit on the Eagle practice squad. So you're already locked into Flacco. He's going to be here. I didn't get the whole, why would they sign Nick Mullins? Now I know he's still relatively young, but with three years in the league, He's not a, a an aspiring player in my mind. Nick Mullins is what he is at this stage. Last year for the 49ers, he played in 10 games. He completed 64% of his passes. It's not great. It's not terrible. 
it's okay. He threw for 2,400 yards on 211 attempts at 7.5 yards per throw. Again, not bad, not great. He threw 12 touchdown passes on 200 and, uh, 326 attempts. Nothing special whatsoever. He threw 12 interceptions, 12 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. That's not a good ratio. That's not an acceptable ratio in this league. And then, oh, by the way, count them, five fumbles. Five fumbles in 10 games. Yes, I'm going to give a lot more credit to Kyle Shanahan and that offense as to why his numbers were okay. Nothing special about them. In that offense, I think you should do a lot more as a quarterback. I say Nick Mullins can't play. There's no more upside to Nick Mullins. Maybe that was why I was as anti-Mullins as I was. The Eagles need a young guy. Every team I know that you can't get locked into roster construction and everybody can't be exactly the same. But I wanted to see the Eagles with a young guy who they could develop, who they could see get better, who there was an upside to and potential improvement. Because remember, they are the quarterback factory. Uh, so they should be able to teach that young guy how to become an NFL quarterback. Nick Mullins is what he is. And what he is for me is not good enough. I don't think he's going to make the team. Uh, go ahead and reel me back in and tell me, Jody, what the hell are you talking about? Well, last year you pointed out pretty much every stat where I kind of soured a little bit on Nick Mullins and the 12 interceptions and the five fumbles were the two. Now, this is where I got a lot of people riled up when they signed Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins has only trails Patrick Mahomes for the most passing yards to a quarterback's first 16 starts in NFL history, and he's second behind Mahomes in yards per attempt, which is absolutely insane. But I looked at it this way. I thought he got off to a tremendous start to his career for a backup quarterback. I think he was a six-round pick out of Southern Miss, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I, I thought at the time Nick Mullins was a pretty good backup to Jimmy Garoppolo at the time. And he last played, year, he played he played better in 2008, uh, 2018. He yeah, played he well enough. He didn't play much at all in 2019. Last year was bad. And then last year, uh, yeah, I was uh, not impressed at all by Nick Mullins. And I thought it was the elbow again. He got the surgery. But McMullen's right. There's no arm strength there. It's gone. And maybe it'll come back. Not this year, but maybe next year when he builds some stuff up. But I'm concerned, uh, you know, because he is not as bad as he's shown this preseason. He's not. He is mm. not that He's not that bad of a player. But overall, mm. at least in my eyes with McMullen's, I, I just don't think he's going to make the roster at this point. I, I, I'm really concerned for the guy. I think they got to find a number three quarterback. Somewhere. Yeah. I, I don't think he's going to make the roster. I don't think he should make the roster. All right. Let's get a third opinion on that. There's my buddy, Matt Verderam. a little late jumping aboard, but we're glad we got him. Uh, Matt, we're just kicking around uh, the fact that the Eagles third string quarterback, Nick Mullins has looked pretty poor this year in both their exhibition games and their practices. I was not a big fan of the signing. I know he played well in 2018. He did not play well last year for me. I didn't know why the Eagles wanted him as a third-string quarterback. Didn't make sense, to at least to me. What do you think about Nick Mullins as a backup quarterback in this league? I think he's okay. Look, I think Kyle Shanahan made him look better than he is, which is typical of any quarterback that, that Kyle Shanahan has worked with, right? Now, Nick Mullins obviously has a lot lower of a ceiling than most of Shanahan's quarterbacks, and so – if I'm the Eagles, you have Hertz, have Flacco. Like I would look around once you get that to that cut down day where everybody's got to get to 53, and I would look around and say, all right, who are the guys that get cut? 
and who can we go out and get? You know, you're going to have a lot of undrafted free agent quarterbacks that are out there that might actually have shown something during during camp, during preseason. It's just they didn't make that team for whatever reason. You might have some guys who are veteran guys who are out, who are out there. I mean, I, you know, I know Philadelphia, like Nick Foles, like he, he might end up being moved by Chicago at some point here. He's not going to be first team, second team for Chicago. Um, you know, there are a lot of names out there. If you want to go with a guy who I actually think could be a starter in this league again at some point, Gardner Minshew. Like, if, if you aren't convinced it hurts as the guy and you're not in love with Flacco as a backup even, Minshew's a guy who I look at and say, you know, now you'd have to trade for him. He's not going to get cut. But is he somebody who, you know, maybe he's worth kicking tires on. So there's going to be options. There's going to be options here in the next couple of weeks. And, and the Eagles can make their decision on who they'd like to try and, and, and go for. Matt, I was going to save this for later, but I, since you brought Gardner Minshew up, I'll ask him now. Is Urban just trying to show Gardner Minshew off to teams by having him with the first-team offense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, look, there's no way that they're going to play Gardner Minshew week one. I, I just I refuse to believe that. And, and I like Gardner Minshew. I think Minshew's better than a lot of people think he is. I don't think he's great, but he's a, he's a competent quarterback. He can play a little bit. Young guy, only entering his third year. Um, you know, I, I was incredibly impressed by him as a rookie when he was thrust into the situation. Week one, Bowles gets hurt against Kansas City in the second quarter of the game. He came in, he played well. He played well really on a team that had no business being even halfway decent that year offensively. So, you know, I I look at that situation, yes. Urban Meyer knows he's got Trevor Lawrence. He's a number one overall pick. Everybody's known Lawrence is going to be a number one overall pick for a couple of years now. So, if you're Jacksonville, you cannot sit Trevor Lawrence on this on this team. I, I, I would be stunned if this isn't just a little bit of a showcase here with Venture. I agree wholeheartedly there. All right, since we're in quarterback evaluation mode, Matt, tonight you got the Saints playing both uh, Taysom Hill and Win- Jameis Winston going to play. Jameis is going to start. I'm not a fan of either one coming into the year. I was a fan of Jameis coming out of Florida State. Uh, he has been just a interception waiting to happen the last couple of years in Tampa. He says he learned it is a new quarterback and a different player being at the foot of uh, uh, Drew Brees last year. I need to see it with my own two eyes. I saw it, uh, Jason. Uh, I saw it, uh, Tatum. Uh, Jason. Uh, I, I'm getting Jason. Tatum and Taysom Hill mixed up here. Taysom Hill lose to the Eagles last season. Didn't look like an NFL quarterback to me. What are the Saints going to do at QB? I know tonight he's going to have a major influence. How do you see it shaking out? I think Winston's got to be the guy. And I'm with you, Jody. I don't I don't love either one of them. Like to me, Taysom Hill is just he's he's a guy. He's he's a he's a gadget guy. He can play a half dozen snaps. You know, maybe he can be a competent backup quarterback, but Taysom Hill is also like 31. I think sometimes people think he's this really young quarterback with upside. Taysom Hill is in his 30s. So I don't know how much upside there is. And with Winston, look, it's hard to throw 30 picks in today's NFL. That almost takes an effort to do that. You really, with the rules that are in place today, you have to be trying to throw that that amount of interception. So did he did he get better last year sitting there with Sean Payton and Drew Brees? One would hope, but at the same point, I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm with you. It's kind of a you have to see it type of thing. That said, 
if you if you ask me who do I think is a better shot at just having one really good season, it's Winston. Because the potential, his arm is is terrific. You know he can throw for a lot of yardage. So is there a, a world where he goes out and throws for 4,500 yards and, and, and gets it down to 15 picks? I mean, yeah, it's possible. Like, I, I think he could put together a really good year before I think Taysom Hill could. The problem is without Michael Thomas, who are you throwing to? That's, that is the biggest concern I'd have if I'm the Saints. And that is the only reason I'd consider starting Taysom Hill is if the Saints just go, look, we're not going to win throwing the ball anyway. We have to be a run-first team with Kamara. Let's just run all this read-option stuff, and let's let's hope that that's the way we can win these games. But I I just personally don't believe that that's a strategy you can win with week in and week out in the NFL. Matt, I, I'm a big fan of Jalen Hurts. I, I think he could be really good for this team. But if we're talking the quarterbacks in the NFL, I, I just don't think he can get to the ceiling of a Patrick Mahomes, an Aaron Rodgers, a Josh Allen. But where do you see – this guy's ceiling potentially being if the Eagles give him that opportunity. You know, I'm not sure, but I'll say this. You know, I remember when he came out talking to people around the league, and one of the things that kept coming up was he played under Nick Saban and he played under Lincoln Riley in college. And this is a guy who everybody believes is a football IQ to be a good player, and the athleticism is clearly there. And, and I think when we watched last year, I think his arm is, is there. I don't, I don't have any questions about that. So if those three things are there, I think you have a decently high ceiling. Now – do I think it could be Mahomes or Rodgers? No, because I think Mahomes and Rodgers are so unique unto themselves that it's it's hard to get to that point. But I, I like his talent. I like Jalen Hurts a lot when he was coming out. I thought he was a good pick at the time, and a lot of people killed the Eagles for taking him in the second round. I was not one of those people. I thought that it was a good selection. Um, my biggest concern is just is the team around him going to allow him to flourish? I mean, this is just it's it's a group with a lot of young receivers, first year head coach. Although I think Sirianni, I know he's gotten banged around ever since his press conference. I actually think he's he's a pretty interesting hire in the sense that he was a very good offensive mind in Indianapolis. So, um, is it, you know, as far as the ceiling, you know, look, could I could he be a Dak? Could he be a Dak Prescott? Is that possible? Like I, I wouldn't say that that's impossible. Like I, I think I think that that's in play. And if he becomes a player the level of a Dak Prescott, pretty good player. Yeah, I think I think you take that, right? So does he get there? I don't know, but I, I wouldn't rule that out as being, you know, a, a type of ceiling he could get to. Here's one of the things that I've had problems with here in preseason, Matt, and tell me if I'm being overly annoying or sensitive or whatever word you want to use to describe me. Certain players not playing at all have not gotten on the field, like Daniel Jones of the Giants. What has Daniel Jones done in his NFL career that merits him being so protected he can't get on the field? That Brady guy down in Tampa has taken more snaps, and he's older than Methuselah, but he gets out there and takes preseason snaps, but Daniel Jones can't take a one. What's going on with in the NFL in these preseason games where they're so overly protected? Daniel Jones has done plenty the first couple of years to merit not getting on the field, but not because he shouldn't be protected. I, I mean, look, they, I don't, I don't get it. And, and I, I understand teams don't want guys to get hurt. People are, you know, teams have made investments in guys now more than ever before, of course, financially, but I always look at the best teams in the league, the best teams in the league a lot. They play their guys. They, they, I mean, Kansas city just played Mahomes for like a half of football. 
I mean, you know, the, the Chiefs weren't afraid. The Chiefs played their starting defense the entire first half in Arizona. And anybody who watched that game, the Cardinals practiced on that field day out and, and day in, day out, and it looked like it. That field just beat to hell, and the Chiefs put everybody out there for a whole half of football. You know, you mentioned the Bucks. Brady has played this preseason. They haven't played a ton as starters, but they've played. You know, and, and, and so I always wonder – you know, I know the Chargers, now they've had the injury bug, it seems like, every year for a decade. They haven't played most of their guys. I always wonder if that backfires. You know, like, all right, so now week one, you're just you, – you need to be ready to go immediately. And I, I, I think, you know, there's there's a method to go back to KC for a second with Andy Reid. Mahomes has never lost a game in September. Like, I, I do think there's something to that, like, they come into the season, they're ready to go. They've played a couple of games worth of time in the preseason. So if you're the Rams, who, who they don't play anybody, if you're the Chargers, their team doesn't play anybody, Tennessee, haven't seen any of those guys. I think it puts a lot of pressure on you to not be rusty. And as we all know in the NFL, you're rusty for two weeks. That's a problem. Like if you're 0-2 in the NFL – you may not make the playoffs, or even yeah. if you do, you may miss out on the top seed or a top two seed. So I, I'm with you, Jody. I, I don't love that. I, I think you, know, you play. You need to play. Even if it's a couple series, okay, but you need to at least get out there and, and, and kind of knock off some of that rust before you get into week one, week two, so on and so forth. Matt, I think one of the most frustrating teams I'm going to watch this year is the Denver Broncos, and it's because they have talent. Um, yep. I, their wide receiver core is ridiculously good, but that quarterback situation, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I like Drew Locke coming out, but it's a joke between him and Bridgewater. Do they need to get somebody in there? Yeah, they do, and I'm with you. Look, I, I actually, when when the all that stuff with Rodgers was floating around the, the night of the draft, I remember thinking – if they get Aaron Rodgers, they're a Super Bowl contender because that defense is really good, and their weaponry is better than a lot of people think. You know, Cortland Sutton's coming back off the ACL. You have Jerry Judy. You have Noah Fant, Tim Patrick, right? a decent offensive line. Not great, but decent. But you're right. You look at the quarterback situation, and I've had a lot of Broncos fans scream at me over Twitter about this all offseason. I, I don't take them seriously because their quarterbacks think. It doesn't matter. Like in today's NFL, if you don't have a decent quarterback, you have no shot. And if you look at that division, Kansas City's winning 13, 14 games. Just gonna, it's gonna happen as long as they're healthy. The Chargers with Herbert, they, you know, you got a new head coach, you never know how that's gonna shake. But the coach is even halfway decent, they're probably a 10 win team. The Raiders are no good, but what is the ceiling? Third, if you're Denver with that quarterback, I, to me, I would roll with Bridgewater only because. Locke led the league in picks last year and played 13 games. That defense is really, really good. If I'm Fangio, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, look, we can win playing that Mark Sanchez type of, of you know, Jets football where, look, we're going to be really careful. We're going to run the ball. We're going to throw when we have to. And we believe that our defense can win us some games if we win the turnover battle. The problem with Locke is if you start him, you're probably not going to win the turnover battle. And, and, and if that's the case, your defense can only do so much. So I agree. It's kind of like picking between, you know, um, it's, it's just a lesser of two evil situation. But I actually think Bridgewater is like borderline competent as a starter where Locke isn't. So we'll see how it shakes. But if Bridgewater starts, I think they at least have an outside shot of being like a nine and eight type team where with Locke, I just, I don't even think that that's in play as a ceiling. All right. Let's see if you uh, jump immediately to where I'm at. 
because I think this is actually a easy question to answer, but you might have to think about it for a second. What's the best division in football this year? Yes, you was. Yeah, yeah, I see. Smart minds think alike. Boom! He just gave me the answer. Boom! Exactly right. Thank you very much. It's it's the only division. I actually said this to a friend of mine the other day. I really think a team could be over five hundred in that division to be in last place. You got. I think Arizona could go nine and eight and be dead last in division. Now, I will say this. We all know that that's not how it's going to work. Some team will have injuries. Some team will disappoint, whatever. But if you're just looking at it full strength, everybody's going at it. How's it going to look? I think you could make a case. The Niners, the Rams, the Seahawks, all of them could be a Super Bowl team. Now, the problem's going to be the Buccaneers are in a joke of a division. The Packers are in a pretty easy division. And so – one of those teams probably be the one seed, and you're going to have to, you know, the NFC West, they're going to beat the hell out of each other, and then you're going to have, you know, the team might win the division who's really good, who's 11-6, and six, right? And then, but they're, they're the three seed, and they're going to have to go on the road for a couple games in the, po- in the postseason. I think that's that's where it gets tough, but that is that is a really good division. And the Niners, like, you have questions at quarterback, but that roster's excellent. The Rams... You don't have a question at quarterback. At least I don't. I think Stafford's a very good player. Um, and they're very good. Seattle, that offense should be one of the best in the league. And defensively, I don't know how good they're going to be, but offensively, they're going to score some points. So I love that division. I will say, I think the AFC North is a very good division as well. Cincinnati should be better. Pittsburgh, like you look at Pittsburgh, and I don't think Pittsburgh should be good, but Tomlin will make them good. They'll win nine games based off the fact Tomlin's there. And then Baltimore and Cleveland will fight it out. So I think it's a really good division. But the NFC West has got to be king of the hill in that regard. Matt, we always talk about nationally. The team that we think is going to surprise people. I'm going to reverse it for you. And I already got my team here. The team that's going to disappoint people the most, and to me it's the New York football giant. I just think they're a terrible football team. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts. Well, I'll give you my team in a second. I think the Giants are really interesting in the sense if Jones isn't good, then, yeah, they're going to be terrible, right? It, it, to me, it just comes down to can Daniel Jones limit his turnovers and make a couple of big plays? Now, for two years, he's shown a glimmer here, a glimmer there, but he, he turns the ball over a ton. So, um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what to think of the Giants. I don't know what to think of Daniel Jones. If he's good, I can make a case where they're actually halfway decent. I don't think they're more than a 500 team, but if he's not good, I can make a case where they win five games. I will go because of your old friend in Philly, I'm out on Indianapolis. Everybody is so high on Indy. They talk about Wentz like he's the guy that was there three years ago. Carson Wentz was awful last season. Now, I get it. Like, I understand the Eagles had a ton of injuries. You know, all the excuses. Fine. I watched every Eagles game last year. Every game, whether it was live or going back, watching it on Game Pass. He was atrocious. The Eagles are paying him $34 million not to be there. And people act like he's going to go to Indianapolis and just be great. Who's Indy's best weapon offensively? Like Jonathan Taylor's a nice running back. Who's the best receiver? T.Y. Hilton? Like that's great if it's five years ago. T.Y. Hilton's old. I don't get it. I don't. I don't understand this. This like, they they have an offensive line where Eric Fisher's coming off a torn Achilles. Who knows when he's going to be back? Quentin Nelson's coming off injury. Defensively, I love their front seven. Their secondary is not great. Kenny Moore's a good corner. Beyond that, I have a lot of questions. Like, I think he's okay. 
I don't think I, I think they got worse at quarterback though, and then he barely made the playoffs last year. So I look at the Colts and where everybody's going crazy. I look at that division and go, geez, if the Titans can't win that division, they ought to quit after all the moves they made this offseason. Damn, Bertram, you and I are on the exact same page. The NFC West is the best division in football. The AFC North is the second best division. And Carson Wentz is not turning Indianapolis around. So I'm three for three with you. Let's see if you want to join me on this one. Here's the last one. Quarterback rankings, ratings, whatever. The quarterback rating. I know there's the QBR, which isn't the quarterback rating. So I'm not talking about the QBR. I'm talking about yeah. quarterback rating. I think that this year... Tua Tungabello is going to be a top 10 quarterback in this league. Yay or nay? We'll have to go three for four, Jody. Okay. I feel not bad, though. I, I think, yeah, 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 for sure. I think he'll be better. Um, I, last year, the thing that bothered me sometimes with Tua was the, the just complete hesitancy to throw the ball down the field. Now, they have an offensive coordinator. Maybe that changes. Maybe getting Jalen Waddle changes things. I'm not saying they won't. I do think he'll improve. But top ten for me is hard, only because when I look at the the league, I, you know, you got Mahomes, you got Rodgers, Allen, Wilson, Brady, Herbert, Dak back on the field. Um, I like Ryan Tannehill a lot more than most. I, I think he's, you know, you got Lamar, um, but I think he could be top half of the league. I I, I could see that. Like. Could he be Baker? Could he be Baker Mayfield? You know, I think that's possible. Um, I think Baker's probably around like 12 to 14 in the league. So I, I would go there. I, I think he could do that. Uh, could he be a Derek Carr type? You know, another guy I have right in that window. Yeah, I think that's possible. And if he, by the way, if he's that, the Dolphins are a really good team. The Dolphins are a playoff team and they're right there in the mix. I mean, hell, they won 10 games last year and the quarterback play was, was up and down all year long. So I think Miami's an interesting team. I don't buy New England, by the way. That was if I didn't say Indy, New England would have been my pick. Um, New England spent two hundred fifty million dollars. I don't think they're any better. I think New England spent two hundred fifty million in the offseason, and I look at them and I think they're the exact same football team they were a year ago. Um, so I think that division's there as far as being in second. I don't think they'll be better in Buffalo, but I if, I think two gets better because the weapons around them are better. Will Fuller's always hurt, but when he's on the field, he can play. Um, they should be a 10 or 11 win team, in my opinion. And I think a lot of that will be because Tua is better than he was a year ago. Last one for me, Matt. Um, I was vindicated last year. Um, I, I don't make too many hot takes, too many bold predictions in this business, but I've said for years the Patriot Way was Tom Brady, and I felt vindicated. Yay or nay, Patriot Way, Tom Brady? Uh, yay. <laughs> and, and, and because without a good quarterback, you're screwed. And they don't have, unless Mac Jones steps up this year, they don't have a good quarterback. Look, Cam Newton's had a great career. Cam Newton was not good last year. Any excuse people want to give him, that's fine. Cam Newton was throwing the ball in the dirt by about week 10. Now, they had, they had no weapons. They had no weapons. Like, I get it, but he was he was not good. Even when guys were open, he couldn't hit, couldn't hit passes. I, I look at them, and I, like I just said, $250 million, who did they add? I mean, you know, everybody talks about Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. Hunter Henry's never had 700 yards in a season, and Johnny Smith has never had 500. Like, both of these guys have never produced in a serious way ever once in their careers. Like, Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar, they're guys. Aguilar was good with the Raiders last year. That's fine, give him that. But it's like you brought in somebody who's going to have 1,400 yards. You know, I I think the biggest guy they brought in was Judon. I, I really like him. I think he's a very good signing. I think Judon will be a nice piece. And they get some guys back from the COVID-19 list. I get all that. 
Like, what is their ceiling? Ten wins and getting bounced in the first round? Like, in the AFC, they're not Kansas City. They're not Buffalo. They're not Cleveland or Baltimore. I don't think they're Tennessee. Like, at best, they're the sixth-best team in the conference. So, yes, when Brady left, so did any window of them winning a championship. Because he's Tom Brady. Like, I, I think Bill Belichick's a great coach, but without Brady, what has Belichick ever won? Not much because he's never had another really good quarterback. If, you get, if they get him another really good quarterback, they'll win and the Patriot way will be back. For now, the Patriot way is residing in Tampa. And I think Mac Jones could be that quarterback. It's not going to be this year. You're right. Uh, good luck getting to 10 wins and getting back to the playoffs, Bill. And kudos to you, Jeff Carr. Last year, major advantage, Brady. This year, duck and cover, Bill. It could get ugly. Matt, uh, good to see you, brother. We appreciate you hopping on board. We'll tap into you plenty of times during the course of the year. Thanks for jumping on tonight. Thanks for waiting for me. Storm uh, was uh, wreaking havoc, so I, I appreciate it. Not a problem. That is Matt Rotoram does a great job. Fansided.com. Oh, let me tell you about his podcast as well. Uh, 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 Stack in the Box is a uh, phenomenal podcast, too. He is Matt Rotoram. I'm Jody McDonald. He's Jeff Kerr. Damn, we're running late because we started late with Rotoram. So, you know what we got to do? We got to come back and put a bow on the show. I get scared sometimes of a lot of things. Joining in decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. 
It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Yeah, we're running uh, late here today. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, you got four more days this week of Birds 365, including leading into the preseason game between the Jets and the Eagles on Friday. Prior to that, we got a couple of days of practice. I made McMullen uh, get on the uh, prediction bandwagon, so I'm going to do the same to you here, JK. Under over skirmishes, and you heard me define skirmish, must be a minimum of five players involved. Two who actually start, three who come in to break it up. Doesn't have to be defined by punches. Can be just grabbing and pushing a bone. But five in a group that lay hands on each other. I say under over skirmishes one and a half for the two practice. At least two skirmishes of note that get five people involved. Going to be under or over because the Eagles had none against the Patriots last week. Over because the Eagles are frustrated. They've heard people talk about them, 35 nothing. The Jets have something to prove. And, again, Joe Douglas is the GM. Robert Salas, head coach, they're football guys. They're tough. I think we're going to see something this week because it is the last week of this preseason. Tempers are going to be flaring because for the next week, they're not going to be doing much. I mean, they're going to be practicing, but it's not going to be like week four of the preseason. They're, they're getting ramped up. No, they'll be getting ready for week one. I say we see over one and a half. All right. You and I are on the same page here. Now see if we match up on the other one. Jets and Eagles are going to get tired of seeing each other by Friday because of the dual practice and then the Friday game. Uh, You mentioned Joe Douglas, formerly Howie Roseman's underling here in Philadelphia, now running his own show up the Turnpike. Before the season starts, will the Jets and Eagles make a trade? A lot of uh, pretty good speculation that those two, two teams might match up. I don't see it personally, but do you think something like that will happen? I think the Eagles will make a trade. I don't think it'll be with the Jets. I'll say that. Uh, I I think they'll – and you know who's always been an interesting trade partner? I mentioned this before. They always seem to trade with the Cardinals. I remember they they got Rudy Ford from the Cardinals. Andy Isabella's available. I know that for a fact. Um, I'm not putting two and two together here, but it wouldn't shock me if they would trade with a team like that. I think Eagles will make a trade. It will be a player-for-player swap. I don't think it's going to be anything major or anything, but it's going to be someone like, oh, yeah, this guy's good, and he's he's okay. He was in our team's garbage. But, you know, all all joking aside, I think the Eagles will make a trade. I think the Jets will make a trade. It just won't be with each other. Just won't be with each other. We shall see how it shakes out. JK, good job today, buddy. Uh, You're back here doing it with me again tomorrow, correct? That is correct. I think I'm here Wednesday, too, if I'm not mistaken. Tuesday, Wednesday. You got Jeff Kerr in here on Birds 365. Jody Mack, I'm here every single day, uh, and I hope you are, too. Come right back. 22 hours. We'll get back at it again on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.